Real rerun starting. Sorry. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, welcome to the newest episode of Real Rewind. And of course, um, it's, it's, it's Wednesday, and so um, in these episodes, uh, each week, uh, each of us pick a new, a new film to choose. And this week's choice is going to George, so I'm, I'm going to pass over to George in a minute. But unfortunately, in, um, in this episode, Alex cannot make it. So unfortunately, it's just, yeah, no, size. Well, hang on. Alex couldn't not make it. Alex couldn't be bothered to watch the film. Wow, I was trying to make it nice for him, but you just went No, I'm trying to wait in the bus. <laughs> I went up to the bus. Yeah, so we arranged to watch, to watch this this week's choice of film. I actually managed to watch it this morning for this because I was in a bit of a rush. We unfortunately have chosen to film this episode on a different day, so I confused Alex. He's easily confused. Easily confused. But anyway, yeah. so th- this week's pick is obviously back. We've done a full round now, and we're now back to George. So, George, over to you and your pick. Yes, hello. Um, my pick this week, as I think I mentioned last week, I can't remember, but uh, let's add a bit of culture. Let's add a bit of... Um, You've stressed enough that there's, there's culture in this choice. Prestige, prestige. Uh, to this podcast. Also, I just happened to have to watch it and thought like, oh, this is an interesting film to talk about. Um, but my pick is Umberto D, which is uh, a 1952 Italian mm-hmm. film, which was directed by Vittorio De Sica. Um, and it basically just sort of follows the story of a man, Umberto, who uh, is struggling in post-war Italy with his debts and with uh, getting money and losing his job and etc. Um, retired. As he kind of, yes, okay. as he's retired and trying to get his money. Um, as he's trying to sort of navigate that world and still maintain some amount of dignity. Yeah. But it's a film that I'm genuinely interested to see what you... I was gonna say what you guys think, but it's just yeah. you. what you you guy think. Well, the thing is, I, what I guy think. Um, yeah, uh, my guy thinking thinks that. Well, I didn't know really what to expect with this film because when you mentioned, it, I'd never heard of it, and it's probably much because um, we would want to. I I watched quite a lot of old black and white films, mm-hmm. and I suppose I, I I'm trying to, but I do want to watch a lot more foreign films. I suppose. Um, obviously, I, I watch a lot of the English speak folk and all silent films, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, this one, I. Didn't know about. I obviously watched it this morning, and I actually quite liked it. It depressed me a little bit because it's the story of it. But when I first flicked it on, first half an hour, I wasn't, I wasn't really going with it. I was going like, this is a bit boring. And then afterwards, it started getting more and more interesting. Where you're starting to see more about this man, and it's just it, the story just gets sadder and sadder. And it's just this man and his dog, and it does I I do agree of like when I was. Because uh, this is also a film of like it's part of uh, a film movement called the Italian Neorealist. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I did search a little bit about it, and I didn't realise as well that it was in um, some like um, I can't remember the particular like you know, company or magazine. Um, say it was in, in the top hundred films of all time. Yes, well, that's the thing is like it, it's a very beloved film, as also I think is like Bicycle Thieves, which is another De Sica uh, Neorealist movement film, but. I studied the Italian neorealist film and like really fell in love with a lot of the films that were produced during that time. And Umberto D was one of them, which is a large reason of why I know of it and why I've seen it a couple of times at this point. Uh, am I right on something as well that a lot of the actors in this film were not were not professionals? Yes. So like well that's the thing is um the the man who plays um Umberto again, like we said in the Totoro episode, a lot everyone is obviously named in Italian that we stuff. But um carlo basalti i think is his name um yes and he, yeah he, he was a an unknown 
actor, which is kind of a thing from the neorealist movement. It kind of was in, as a lot. Little... Well, it, it kind of makes you think like neorealist. You think like like literally like like real people, like not like regular people. You know what I mean? That's kind of what. Yeah. I hear, well, but... that was, that was a focus of like all portraying Italy as it was post-war and after um, Mussolini's sort of defeat and the end of fascism in Italy, um, and it really sort of stressed. Um, like realism and stories in the like poor or working class and there's a lot of things of like oh it was often filmed on location because the studio was bombed and um it kind of to a degree was a reaction against a bunch of american films being released new in italy when they'd previously been sort of restricted and there is this idea of like using non-professional actors but that was the thing of like some films do use professional actors and some don't that it's sort of, I guess, a rule of the neorealist movement, but not one that I stick to. But I do think that, like, for everyone who is maybe like not a professional actor, particularly Umberto and um, Maria. Yes, Maria. I was yeah. going to say her name. I, like, I, both... I find, I find out actually, sorry, that um, Maria is actually that's actually her name, like in real life as well. She's actually called uh, uh, Maria Pia. I think it's her name. Pia. Yeah. I. Well, that's the thing is, I remembered her name was Maria, but I couldn't remember if what her character name was but it's also really but like i think they are a pretty like amazing for non-actors i think yeah i actually i think i found this out after i watched it earlier i searched more about it and went oh didn't know i think it really really adds to the level of like i guess realistic storytelling like because i do agree of like the first half of it whenever i watch it there really isn't much that happens which is kind of a trope of the film or the movement, I guess, of like, I guess the cinema of the mundane, I think it's sometimes called. But um, not much happens. And there's like a period of time where he just keeps getting in and out of bed. And like he'll get into, it'll show him getting into bed and then someone will come in and he'll get out of bed. It'll show him getting back into bed. But the first half, I am like, nothing is happening. Yeah. But then that... I think the second half really, not picks up, but I think is a great payoff that's that. yeah exactly my main problem like has sort of like essentially fight through it yeah the first bout i'd say 30 to 40 minutes mm-hmm. didn't really grab me obviously you start so that's me it's one of those things where I, I like these sort of films where the story's like quite well not not simple but like it's just straightforward like this is it this is where it starts these men are, are trying to are demanding like a raise in their pension obviously it's very low um mm-hmm. after, after the war and then it's just shows, it shows, shows this man and, and, and Bert, was it umberto domenico ferrari Ferrari? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I remember it's Umberto Ferrari, I think it's And the thing is though, when you look back at it and it's like it's just establishing this man, like his life. He obviously he goes back to his room, obviously you obviously you then find out more about this like his landlady who's trying to evict him because he can't afford to pay his rent. And then he starts to like try and sell like his watch, his books and like, you know, and he's desperately trying to get money, but he can't do it. You see obviously is he's not really got a lot of like fam like family or friends to him. He's like he's is loyal like, I lo- I love Flight, by the way. Flight's amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, and then um, also like the only person he talks to as well is his maid Maria. And I think it it yeah. does an amazing job of like the idea of this old older man who's like retired or whatever, and is maybe not at the end of his life, but is at a period of life where he's really struggling and sort of showing that idea of like, oh, he lives with all of these people and he, you know. Throughout the film, he constantly, like a handful of times, bumps into people and makes friends or whatever. But kind of, it does a good job of showing, actually, you're all alone. and Yeah. A I mean, really good job of showing, like, I guess, a realistic portrayal of yeah. 
I really like the subtle ways, and it just shows this man. Like, I think my favorite, from my favorite scenes in the film is actually when, because he like, um, he first finds a man he knows going like, um, like, oh, please, like, show some. I love that line. Was like, please show some charity, like, and go around and try and get money off people. And then you see him constantly debating want to do that, and then he finally goes and sort of tries doing it, puts his hand out, someone's about to give him money, and he turns his hand around, like, he's trying, he's trying to keep his dignity. And then he thought, oh, I get the dog to do it, and then I love that bit where the dog just stands up and he puts the hat in his mouth. Mm. and you can see him just there going like he's trying to get money but he's also going like no I don't want to stoop this low and do it and yeah like yeah. The, the battle the like I guess in a battle of Umberto where he's trying to like I desperately need money essentially to survive um, you know if I don't I'll get kicked out and I've got fever or whatever and and sort of the bat in a uh, battle of, light, am I, right? I think that's what they say yes yeah, yeah they do Yeah, uh, but then he like plays it up so he can stay in hospital but the idea of like someone struggling and someone like in desperate need of help and but trying to maintain a level of dignity and like like you said like i think the scene where he's debating um whether or not he's going to beg for money is like one of the more powerful moments in the film and not necessarily because like oh it's very moving i just think that like the way that it's shot and the score and his performance again. Yeah, it's it's just him showing that sheer desperation. And the thing that always got me as well is just him, like, obviously he cares mostly about, about the dog. He wants the dog to be okay. And then, um, like, it's like, it's like that, that part where he goes to um, uh, this place where, you know, like the place that, like, uh, 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 boards dogs and, like, you know, um, uh, looks after him and he was trying to find a way to, like, get him to, like... St- get him somewhere safe and he realizes no it's not what i want for him and yeah when well, he... there, there, yeah there's that turning point in the film where he is just like right well i he realizes essentially that he's going to kill himself because he can't because killing himself is more favorable than turning to than losing his dignity which is kind of the whole uh, uh, whole battle of the film there is a point of like he is like right i'm just gonna kill myself i just need to look after my dog and there's like the whole moment it, of him going to the park and trying to leave his dog and and the most thing as well it's the same sort of thing of like um i don't know if you've seen it as well i'm not seeing much else now but you know um that um wiki Bay series afterlife yes when essentially the only thing keeping him going is the dog essentially mm. and i feel like that might get some stuff from this really the idea of like that's what's keeping him from doing it because obviously when you look at that series he he probably would do it if that dog wasn't there looking at him going like, I like, you know, like this bit where he's sat in the bathtub with a, a razor, he's about to do it. And then the dog comes in, he looks at him and goes hungry. Literally he says like, look at the dog's face and then we need to feed him to keep him going. Mm. Essentially the same with Simon Bertie D, I think it's like, I think if he didn't have that dog, he would have given up longer, like, earlier in the story. Yeah. Well, it's also a moment of the dog saves his life of there is that very tragic moment where he, realizes that he can can't give uh his dog away and like no one will accept him that he's like well i don't want again kind of this battle of maintaining dignity if i don't want him to become a stray if he is a stray he'll get caught and put down um because you know they make a point of when he goes to the pound they talk about yeah we're gonna kill all these dogs yeah that that bit got me it got me a lot and i I was going please don't kill flight please don't have him die that moment is also very good at like showing his desperation and there is like him searching all those cages and you do generally feel like 
I, there is a moment in that film where I think you are like, oh, it's going to reveal that Frike has died. Yeah. It's... And that is going to be the thing where he's like, that's the tipping point to him. Doing it. Like losing control almost. And it's also like how um, uh, there's a bit in it where there's, there's one there's particular like, there's, they've got like about seven, eight dogs in this cage and they're bringing it towards, you know, the, I don't know how the machinery works, but I'm assuming a bit where they kill him. Mm. And you can see him checking the cage like over and over and over and the dog's clearly not in there but he's got to be sure you can see like how desperate he is to get his dog back and it's also like a bit in the park as well when he goes to tell little girls saying do you want this dog and he's like he's sitting there thinking oh like a family would be, like, will be happy with it and he's just trying so bad and ah oh, so but then there's that moment where he then just sort of accepts well because he tries to give it to the the girl who i think is a, a child of a rich family and looks they it, say, yeah no, well, they have like a maid, I think, that they sort of say like, "No, we can't. We're not going to take him. I'm going to look after him. His mum won't be, or her mum, I suppose, won't be um, happy with it." And then he just tries to leave him with some kids, but Flight comes and finds him. But there in is just that moment that he picks him up and stands in front of the train with him. Yeah, that bit. I, I, when, I, when I saw that, I sort of thinking, was he was he like, well, because um, at first you saw the dog run off and he tried to hide under that little bridge. The dog still came back to him, so it's almost like him going, "This dog's never gonna leave my side, and I can't go on anymore." So I'm, I'm guessing it's gonna follow me to the end. And then for that short moment when he's on a train, the dog obviously runs off. I was heartbroken. It's almost like the dog lost trust in him for a moment. Yeah, yeah. And it was well, heart- heartbreaking. Well, that's the thing. It's like the dog eventually kind of saves his life because it panics and moves out of the way of the train, which causes him to step out of the way. And I think that shot of the train whizzing past with him so close is. Especially like for the time and maybe for like the budget or the production style, is really kind of, I guess, impressive. Of like, clearly he would have had to stand that close to a train, and like, it, and then yeah, he goes and tries to find Flake and does Flake doesn't trust him, and he sort of realizes that oh, as long as I have him, I'll be fine. And it it ends kind of on a positive note, but then when you stop and look at it, it's also well, he is still impoverished. He's essentially in a position that he maybe didn't want to be in, which is he can't afford money and he's impoverished. And Yeah. But he realises that, oh, no, I have Fike and it's it's kind of all okay, I guess. I don't know why I think as well, we're like, that shot as well, like I said, like, like for this time, the shot as well, that train coming towards the, like, the camera, yeah. Mm. Whenever I see a shot like that in a black and white film, I can always think of, um, you know that film, like, the, like it's really like a minute-long film of, like, fishy called The Arrival of a Train. From like 1896 or something like that. Yes. Yeah, I can always that think of that. Mean. Yeah, like I think was, a, was that the first ever time something was filmed with a camera? No. Wasn't it? No. Oh. Damn. Because there was a lot of um, <clears throat> uh, like factory. Okay. That was filmed. Yeah. No. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. 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 I think this was like a, a really quite tense film, and it, it made me sad. Well, it is, a, it is a very poignant film of, like... Again, I think that the way that it's shot and the landscape and largely, like, the acting and, I think, kind of also knowing the history of, like, the period of time that it was released. Like, this was, like, into the 50s and was kind of the end of the neorealist movement as films sort of started to move away from this sort of style. I, I mean, again it was a particular style and movement that not all films were in this similar sort of neorealist style, but 
it was kind of the end of this that it's also knowing the state of like Italy at the time and knowing what had happened war and stuff. I think it's super poignant and super still remains very like very moving. Mm. I think, in I, think sorry. The mon- I think the mundane like them showing all of the mundane stuff to the humanity of it as well of like seeing Maria going about her everyday life and like like it, it, there's a moment I can't remember what it is. There's a moment where she like lights the match and it strikes like three times. And in a movie, you would just have a strike and then cut to, I guess, her with a match. But this is just like, no, this is just life. And I think that that yeah. makes it more realistic and therefore more like poignant and devastating when he's at these like low moments. I, I, I hate his landlady, though. Horrible woman. And, um, she is a horrible woman. Yeah, because also, um, cause, um, I understand as well that, uh, obviously, they went, I think, I think in the film he had around six thousand. Is it Leah? Lia? I can't pronounce the currency. Leah. Yeah. And the went was like three times that, and he's trying. And the bit that got me was when he said, "I'll pay you a third of it now," and she went, "She went, no, I want all of it." And I went, "That's just, you, you want to accept this man's like trying. He's trying. You see, he's trying, and it's just oh, it's life yeah. kicking him down, isn't it?" Well, that's the thing is like she is, I guess, the like maybe not villain, but she is like the villain of the piece almost. But then also you stop and look at it of in this era where she is like she's running she has to run a brothel out of her like she she rents out rooms for people to come and have sex. Yeah, because didn't they actually didn't she actually went out of his room for like an hour? Yeah. Well they say about like she rents rooms out for an hour and you see that couple leave and stuff like that. That like she and she's got this old man who just isn't paying his bills that she's raised them, but also you have the thing of Everyone is struggling in this period that she's yeah. throwing Umberto under the bus, but to do in doing so, she's just trying to save herself. Woman, I think um, a bit, I think so. I think a bit as well. I, I, I like Maria, but also I was so annoyed when like she's lost a dog. That really bugged me. Well, no, they say that like the the mistress, uh, the like owner, left the door open and flight ran away. She didn't lose it. Yeah, but it's the fact she didn't, she didn't even try looking for it though. Well, I think, I don't know, she might have done. But also there is that thing of, like, we follow Umberto, but looking at it, he is incredibly selfish. Of, like... Mm. Well, again, it's the thing of, like, the landlady is, I guess, seen as the villain, but also she's kind of... She's at this ebb where, like, oh, I own this place, but I have to rent it out for people to have sex to survive, and I have this old man who won't pay his bills. Like, so she's just trying to survive, and there's, like, that moment where he just screams, shouts at Maria for like, for like running away when it wasn't her fault, and she's like starting to cry, and he's just like, "Oh well, I, I don't have time for this because I'm more important." Almost, and like the moment that always gets me is in the hospital, is the moment in the food where to play off that he's given his plate to Flake, he just collects everyone's plate, and, and the guy's like, "Well, I haven't finished eating. What are you doing?" Yeah. And the other thing is in the hospital where he opens the door and everyone's screaming, like, shut the window, shut the window. And he's like, ah, my dog's important. Yeah, Fly. yeah, no. Go, go like, like, yeah. I guess looking at it, Umberto is kind of selfish in a way and kind of um, like. Yeah, but if you're in his position and life's beating you down, you would be a bit like that, why wouldn't you? Well, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, we thought, but the landlady's kind of in the same position. And yeah, true. Mar- Maria is kind of in the same position. She's young, she's pregnant, she doesn't know who the father is. Both of them are saying, like, we don't want to be involved with it. Like, they both deny that they're the father. And, like, she says about, like, oh, when she finds out I'm pregnant, I'm going to get kicked out. But that is all sort of overlooked I, for Umberto's I did like, 
I did like it when um, she was saying, like, oh, um, yeah, um, uh, he's a father. Oh, it's one of them. Which one? I know they both deny it. It's like, oh, wow. It's either the tall one or the short one. Yeah, that's what they're saying, wasn't it? And, um, yeah, you saw as well when, like, she tried to say to that guy in the street, this is after when he was trying to find his dog and she found, and he found her in the market and she was saying it to him and he's left. You feel bad for her? Well, that's what I mean. Of like, all of these characters are very, and I think like the mundane that he adds that, but they are very human. They are like Umberto is, I guess, the hero, and he is the person we follow to and sympathize with. When Flight goes missing, you do feel sorry for him. But at the same time, he does just break this poor woman who's in a similar situation as him, and he does nothing to really like help her out. That hmm. I'm not necessarily saying he's flawed, but there is a thing of like a lot of the characters are in a similar position, but they just seem to be. Like, like less important almost or like the villain or something like that just based on because we follow Umberto like if we followed the story of the landlady if there was a film about the landlady who's like oh in this period of time I have to rent out to people to have sex or whatever and I have this old man who just won't pay his bills and refuses to leave he would be an obstacle or a villain I say in quotes because you know villain but in that film's narrative that it's just because we aren't following her, we're following Umberto. She's the most. Yeah, I mean, I am really glad you picked this one, actually. I, I, I like it's, it's a very di- it's different to what I normally pick, I think. Because I'm not going to lie, even, even when I watch like, old black and white films, I watch like, like a bunch of, like, I don't know, Universal Monster movies or, like, you know, comedy ones. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, it's um, quite interesting to watch. And I, I don't think you've seen this as well. I heard that there was a French remake called A Man and His Dog. Maybe I haven't. I don't know about that. Like yeah. it is also to a degree these films have like kind of at the time, but I think also like in retrospect have become like a big movement and a big like positive thing and that have influenced. Like I know that on a bunch of DVDs, I think Martin Scorsese does a breakdown of like all of these films and he talks about he did like a video essay almost on a lot of the Italian neorealist films that they definitely mm. have their their influence, but. I think one thing as well I've got to say about like when we watch foreign films, I don't know if you get it as well. Like, a bit like we're going to first half of this. Do you take a little while to like adjust to reading subtitles, and afterwards you just you forget about them? Um, so I don't I had... know. Not really. I do have moments where like at, there are times when I'm like almost realise, oh, I'm just reading subtitles. I need to like look up at the film. Yeah. But generally, I think I just fall into reading. Yeah, I think the best thing I've ever had happen was, was when I watched Parasite was when um uh yeah like the first start of it I was reading subtitles and afterwards I just lent it into so much where I just I didn't even realise I was reading subtitles after a while I was watching just enjoying the film so mm. I saw how happened with this there's just moments of like maybe when it gets boring maybe or like maybe not boring like dips I guess or something there are some moments where I sort of have like a fourth wall break of like I'm just reading I, have I looked up at this obviously I have yeah I do that thing of like have I looked I should just look up at oh but not like but as soon as I stop thinking about it, I don't notice it. No, I completely agree. But yeah, um, but yeah, uh, if I had to give this film like out out of five again, definitely go four and a half. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm going four and a half. I don't necessarily think it's the perfect film. No, it's not perfect, but it's quite phenomenal actually. I I think, mm. and probably one of the best films we reviewed yet on, on our series of podcasts. I think. But- Probably. I mean, it is also subjective, of, but I, I do think that this is a very good No, but film. speaking for as well, uh, yeah, but everyone, speaking as well from someone who's watched this literally today, 
please go out and see it. It's now in Prime. Only unfortunate thing I will say, and I don't know if it might be setting I had, the subtitles are a bit delayed. No, I did notice that. I, I, I've talked to you about it, but I did have the thing of I watched it for an essay. Um, yeah. And was just like, oh, just stick it on Amazon Prime because it's easier. Like, I'm just on my laptop anyway. And did notice that, like, there was issues with the subtitles and they started to, like, get delayed. So well, I well, no, it went delayed, sorry. It was the subtitles came early before this, before this the, they say oh, in the oh, film. Oh, like, out, yeah. out of sync, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But then I did just watch it on DVD for this. But, yeah, yeah, that, that is unfortunately the issue. But yeah. I would... So, yes, definitely overall, uh, uh, we, we both give it a four and a half. That's our rating for this film. Don't yeah. know what Alex would have thought of it. I mean, I'm, I'm quite interested to see what you think now. He did say he'd watch eventually. Yeah, but that's that. That's, <laughs> that's Alex for you, isn't it? Yeah. Alex also said he would watch it this week. So, you know, we can't trust yeah, it. He's had a whole week to watch it. <laughs> yeah, if you like this, there's um, also other um, Italian neorealist films, and mm-hmm. obviously, which I would recommend because I do really love that. Uh, any, any particularly what you want to list off? Um, well, Vittorio De Sica, who did Umberto D, also did Bicycle Thieves, which is maybe maybe the most famous um, mo- film from that movement. Um, I like Peter Rice as well. There's um, Ro- Rome Open City, or Rome City of Berta, I suppose, but um, which is Rossellini. Um, but yeah, I, I, for me personally, I really just sort of fell in love with this particular movement. And I don't necessarily even know why. But that's why I wanted to show this film because I wanted to see what you guys thought. But very good choice. Yeah, I hope I thought my I hope my thinking was you're happy with. I am. That's good. Always. Well, I, I, at no point have I ever like, oh, you should like this film and you don't. Girl. Yeah. I was more just like, oh, this is a film that is different to other stuff that we've talked about, or like a film that I think it is a film that you could very easily hate. I can understand people being like, it's boring, nothing happens, it's mundane. I mm. totally understand that. That I'm just was interested in like oh how is this gonna go like what are you guys gonna think but yes i always will promote um like, trying out different films and experimenting in so That's if enough. you like this if you do watch this and you like this seek out other um mm. i recommend movies. it as well but yeah so anyway we're, we're now coming to end this episode we hope you enjoyed that obviously of course alex unfortunately can be here so he's, he's left us this uh, little message for his, his obviously it is his pick coming up next week Yep, I can't remember what you picked already, but I can't remember either. We'll play it now. Uh, sorry, I couldn't be there, everyone. I know I'm the heart and soul of this podcast, uh, but my pick for next week's film will be A Quiet Place. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it, George. Oh, for the pit, for those, like, it'll be edited, but for us. Yeah. <laughs> Gal just said, let's just start now. Slight pause that was like, oh, it's okay, yeah, yeah. That's interesting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the worst bit is, a quiet place is even that funny. Oh, we picked a quiet place. Yeah, yeah. A quiet place can be funny if you. Yeah, if you look at it that way, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so um, uh, next week's pick is going to be a quiet place. Yep. And we'll hope we'll, uh... It'll be live, right? We also didn't mention that on the last episode, but next week's podcast might be recorded live. Hopefully, if everything goes according to plan. Yeah, assuming that coronavirus doesn't cancel that. Possible. It's possible, but we will persevere. We'll persevere, find a way. Yeah, keep anyway, calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah, everyone, uh, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in next week's episode. 
Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Real Rewind, where you can tune into new episodes every Monday and Wednesday on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Anchor, and Radio Public. Please follow Real Rewind on Facebook at The Real Rewind on Twitter and Real underscore Rewind on Instagram. See you soon.